0: everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh, pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code dcnews35 that's dc n-e-w-s-3-5 dcnews35 DCnews Thirty-five, use that code and receive thirty-five percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com.
1: Hey there, all you DC Comics News fans, DC Comics fan, fans of podcasts, lists about comics, top fives about comics, and so much more. You've arrived at the DC Comics new Spinner week. This is episode number 88. I am your host, Seth Singleton. And it's my responsibility, my obligation, my duty, no, my pure and undiluted pleasure to bring you my top five picks from DC Comics this week, just like every week. This is number 88 on our episode list, which means I'm talking about all the books that came out for January 12th. Sometimes this job is easy. You got it all lined up, all figured out. The books just sort of, like, point to themselves. The top five is so clear, so simple. This week is not that case. We are into the second week of Future State, Uh, (laughs) a bonanza of great comic book storytelling that I think is only going to get more exciting, more interesting, more explosive for fans, And that made it really hard, because there were certainly more than five books available from DC Comics this week, more than five from the future state line, and so many to choose from. Now, off in the background, I think my poor little French Bulldog Bruno is just completely exhausted, snoring away, and utter, I don't know, uh, I guess exhaustion would probably be the best word, depletion because he has watched me work my way through all these books and tirelessly waited for me to finally stop. And when I do, well then he's simply got nothing left. So down there he roars, up here we talk. My first on the list has to be Future State Teen Titans in a story called Ruins written by Tim Sheridan with pencils by Rafa Sandoval, inks by Jordi Tarragona, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, with Rob on the letters and an original cover by Rafa Sandoval and Alejandro Sanchez, which is gorgeous, followed by a variant cover by Dustin Wynn, which is stunning and so slightly jagged and broken and painted and chalked, and both provide some wondrous insights into the thing that is facing us now when it comes to the Titans. This book opens with a harrowing and and haunting image of Dick Grayson wearing a nightwing, Nightwing uniform that doesn't quite look like the one that we're used to. And because of that, it also leaves this feeling of confusion over what could have led to him looking over a row of crosses, each with a T at the top and many of them labeled with names of legendary titans who, it appears, have passed. Amiko is with Nightwing. He gives her two minutes to mourn at one of the grave sites, and it's there that he leaves her as he goes off, and he uncovers a moment from the past that attempts to highlight what it is that they're doing. Now, it's not really a spoiler, but I figure for the most part... These little gems should be for you to discover and me to just point at and hint at, maybe even wink at on occasion. But they find what it is that Dick and Amico had come there for, and then we get the opportunity to check in with the rest of the team, or at least the team as we know them. We've got a few familiar faces, a lightning bolt who I've always enjoyed, and a little bit of a glimpse of a Starfire who doesn't appear to be the same person that I remember. But what's more important is that we have the joining of Cyborg and Beast Boy in a way that doesn't appear comfortable, let alone natural, and also hints at some trouble ahead of them. Regarding the rest of the Titans, we've got a whole new cast (laughs) and a group of characters that are... Quite a bit of fun. I'm just going to read off some names. You need to see the pictures for yourselves, but from Brat Girl to Gorilla Greg to Totally Tubular and, well, someone named Chupacabra. Do one or all or none of these names ring a bell for you? That's okay, because you'll get the chance to explore and wonder a little bit more the mystery and the wonder. My goodness. For starters, the pencils draw these lines that remind what just terrifying possibilities exist in a post-apocalyptic future, a world, a possibility. And then with that is the haunting vision of what it means to be trapped. But as I mentioned, there was one object that was recovered, uncovered, by Nightwing, and there was another that Cyborg and his combination with Beast Boy, also uncovered. Now, the suggestion is that there is more to this story that can be found in future State Flash number two. I haven't had a chance to read that one, so I'm curious to see what it is that it's expecting to reveal. But there is an understanding that there was a great threat, there was a great enemy, and in the process there was a revelation of just who it was, Dick, had to become at one time in his life, how that has now come back to haunt him, and how now it appears he is still haunted, because man, in the final panel, there is an image of him wearing a mask that is a combination of terrifying fears, and one that makes me wonder just how it is Dick came to be the person he is now. The hero we remember and are now trying to justify with or rectify with the version we see now and who it is that he's partnering himself that appears to be wearing an alter ego from Dick's past. Boy, Titan's Future State is one of those books that after I read it, I had so many questions and all I could think of was, if this is what the first one's like, how will I ever find a way to pick all five books? I'm going to give you a little insider Bit of information when it comes to me in this list, I've opened up my selection of books for this week, and I'm simply going with the next one that calls to me. And when I get to five, that's it, we're done. There's that many that are that good. I tried to figure out some logical process of elimination. What can I say? I'm leading with my heart or my stomach. If you hear it growling, I might be hungry. So maybe that's influencing some of my decision-making. Overall, I believe that the list that I'm looking at is such a great list that I can't go wrong with whatever book I pick next. Which means, after a great 5 out of 5 star, it's time to go ahead and pick my second choice. Well, I'm done with all the hemming and hawing and hesitating. I can tell you right away, keeping with the theme of Titans, I move into my second choice, which is Robin Eternal number 1 a future state title that i think is going to really generate a lot of discussion among fans for starters Megan Fitzman sorry Megan Fitzmartin writes a phenomenal story and the pencils by Eddie borrows they they remind me of all of my favorite moments of robin and yet at the same time they are specific they are singular and they shape the tone of this story, from the angular movements to the wonderful sort of textured layer or filter that seems to lay across the page. It's gorgeous, and it's wonderfully uh, accentuated by Eber Ferreira on inks, Adriano Lucas with the colors, Pat Brousseau with the letters. The original cover by Irvin Rodriguez with Emanuela Lupicino is stunning, But the Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer variant cover takes me back to a different time in comics. It is powerful, it feels rugged, gritty, and (laughs) some of the things I love the most about a great comic book cover. Take a look, tell me what you think. Agree or disagree, you are back in the future state. We are once again talking about the fact that the multiverse has changed. Ever since the end of Death Metal and with the reverberations of things like Generation Shattered shattered Generations, we're now glimpsing a future that may or may not be possible and all that it holds for the future of stories in DC Comics, the DC Universe, and specifically the characters who are featured. Robin Eternal shows us a Tim Drake who is dealing with the passing of Bruce Wayne and Batman, the loss that has been inflicted upon Gotham, and his one-man war with the magistrate and his mechanized soldiers. However, what used to work, something like an EMP that could distribute an electromagnetic pulse and take out one of the famed soldiers, is not working as well, and it's only the graces of Stephanie Brown, you know her as spoiler, appearing to let him know that things are only going to get harder. And in fact, she's the insight to let him know about something dangerous called Lazarus Resin. Something that is new on the market and appears to be part of what allows these cyber soldiers to be so effective. How does it work? Well, there's a lot of details involved and I'm going to encourage you to take a look at the issue for yourself. Plus, Once I get too far into the text, it's like, you know, explaining a joke. It's just not funny anymore. The book won't be as good unless you're taking it all in. And there's plenty to take in as, spoiler, Robin and at least one other soldier. Join them and let them know, well, sometimes you go into a fight thinking you know what's going to happen. And then you face off against an unexpected adversary. And the fight changes into something much more dangerous, much more violent, much more terrifying. Now, it's the final two pages that set up a haunting possibility of what can happen if Tim Drake's life was ever actually taken. Or if instead of being taken, if it was twisted so nefariously, that who was once Tim Drake, what we knew about him, that young, earnest third Robin, the one who came along and surprised everyone, who, despite his pint size, became the tiniest terror, what it means for him to be changed so dramatically, if not drastically. Robin Eternal Number 1 introduces a, a great concept for storytelling, something that I haven't seen since we brought back Jason Todd. We fans accepted the return of Jason Todd and all the stories he had to tell on his journey to becoming the Red Hood. What will Robin Eternal's journey look like now that he has gone through such a drastic transformation? Highly encourage you to check it out. It's gorgeous. It's glowing. It's Tim Drake and it's Robin Eternal number one. My second choice, a great five out of five pick here on episode number 88 of the DC Comics new Spinner Rack. That means it's time for a quick break. We're going for that ad break. We're going to let you know everything that's going on that you should know about through DC Comics News and all the ways you can be a part of it. And then when it's done, I'll be here when you get back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief
0: of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world, you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get thirty-five percent off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNEWS. DC News 35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, (laughs) Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No.
2: My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher.
0: First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night.
1: Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you... About about Book, A Harley Quinn cast. Three,
2: two, one.
1: Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn?
0: What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, gogur.
3: And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle nuts. me nods. I definitely do not fuck that In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For
0: sake
3: i'm a damn good cop a lot of lasers Mm.
0: educational and informative the dc comics news podcast network presents mad love the harley quinn (laughs) cast back to you seth
1: so tell us your thoughts we'd love to hear from everyone out there or not that's really up to all of you
3: What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News.
2: I am Tony Hasty for this show.
3: And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe.
2: We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome. And sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Your discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot.
3: Yes. Yeah, and possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our 100th joke. (laughs) Here's hoping.
2: (laughs) We're gonna have guests on this show, we're gonna be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) Off the the cuff, let's go, off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything you want, anything you want.
3: Gooby Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about.
2: That's what the show is about. We're gonna be talking about. We're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the Bat? Go.
3: No, no one had to see more of the Bat. No, I didn't. God damn it! Look, all right. We're gonna Gooby Doo DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo.
2: Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes.
3: Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- un- unseasonable Santa hat, except it's season, whatever. Check us out.
2: <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat.
0: Available exclusively on YouTube.
1: Just like that, as promised, the ad break is over, and I am here with you for our third, fourth, and fifth choices here on episode number 88, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and I struggled to figure out what the next book would be. I even changed my mind three times during that ad break, and I came back to the gorgeous wonder that is Kara Zor-El, Superwoman number 1. What a phenomenally beautiful book. Written by Marguerite Bennett, the art by Marguerite Sauvage is tantamount to groundbreaking. It's wonderful and ethereal and beautifully complex. Uh, the, the letters by Wes Abbott are perfect, capturing the tone and pitch. Beautiful cover by Paulina. Uh, I hope I don't say this name too incorrectly, but can I show? and uh variant cover by alex Gardner is <laughs> nothing to sneeze at i mean it it has this realistic slash cartoon slash game slash cgi quality to it that is stunning and it, it really sort of counterbalances the original cover which has this beautiful painted feeling that exists throughout the book these pages My goodness, Uh, we, we have a Kara who is on the moon, there to help out and help maintain this new satellite installation just off the edges of the earth, outside of everything. So this colony on the moon where she lives and is learning to become a hero is a place of refuge after the apparent conflict that broke out between Kara and John. In the Superman of Metropolis story, this was something that was hinted at and appears that either the events in that story or the culmination of that and other factors led her to go away from the son of her cousin, the son of the person who had replaced her as the protector of Earth and who changed the destiny of her mission, her life, and her identity. One that she is now recreating On the moon and as she does it's Kara talking to someone who she misses crypto who is no longer with us and Kara is no longer supergirl she's superwoman she is a complete and composed and self-aware person who is on a journey of discovery that includes reaching out to those that she can help and in the process, befriending strangers, like a visitor named Lenari, someone who has the ability to change everything about them. I'm not sure if that's something Superwoman would be interested in or not, but there has to be the possibility that Kara has considered what it would be like to be so very different and to have a destiny not so shaped, which is something that Lenari can relate to because she is someone who has escaped from those that want her, have a desire for the power that she was given from her father on his dying moment. And because of that, she is in great danger and horribly threatened. Yet there is something wonderful about watching how Kara gives her challenges, pushes Lenari to be more to help and to do so whether or not there is uh, acceptance or joy or recognition from others and it's really a, a wonderful story that's full of these poignant moments that really show how much Kara has grown and how much she's able to impart she has these beautiful phrases that she gives it encouragement, like, you have the power, you are in control. There is no need to fear, no need to rage. Help people, be kind. No one is born wise. And a lovely caption when she says, no one is born knowing what you know now. I think that's a <laughs> a lovely moment that I hope will be addressed and continued on. And yet as Lenari's pursuers finally arrive to take control of that which they deem to be theirs we get the chance to see what happens when a vow by Superwoman to no longer engage in violence to be peaceful and in control to not let her anger guide her actions feels that that time has passed and now she will do what she must and she apologizes to Crypto before she makes a decision to unleash that anger and it sets up some final pages that I think are for you to discover and enjoy, but for me are a wonderful example of an inner conflict for a car that is now being played out in the physical world and because of that we will get the chance to see just what this superwoman is really capable of doing and maybe what she's learned along the way that will delight and surprise us. I know I am already delighted and surprised and It's been my joy to share this with you as my third choice on this week's episode. Now for my fourth choice, I decided to take a little break from the super family, bat family, which is so much a part of this collection of Future State titles. They they are abundant, I will say that, but they aren't the only ones, which is why it's my pleasure to bring you as my fourth choice Future State Green Lantern number one. In a series of stories, three actually, starting with The Last Lanterns by Jeffrey Thorne, Art by Tom Rainey, Colors by Mike Atia, and World Design providing the letters with an original cover by Clayton Henry and Marcelo Maiolo, and Jamal Campbell providing the variant cover. Love his variant cover, by the way, love everything this guy's been doing with Far Sector and the Green Lantern from that world. It's been a treat and seeing the handiwork on this variant just reminded me of all the things I love about that book and also I hope all the reasons you're going to love this book. <laughs> We've got lanterns who don't have rings anymore fighting out as the kuns are invading and they're trying to help the people on a planet escape. They are fighting with weapons we're not used to seeing them with. Uh, John Stewart carrying a giant yellow sword, others affixed with weapons that do not fit the identities we've come to know them as. Uh, Gnort, who's always been a bit of a comical character, is now a muscular, frenzied, feral hunter, a predator, seeking prey and not afraid to shed a lot of blood in the process, but No matter how much you shed when you're outnumbered, it's dangerous. And the Kuns are led by a mantra. The god in red is watching, the god in red sees. Make your offering, make it pure. And everyone that they're attacking is referred to as meat. Common concept I've heard describing how those who think themselves better than others will look down upon those that they kill or attempt to slay. There's a haunting, sort of the end is coming feeling with this story and where it goes to, how it takes you is a powerful idea. That the lines are beautifully expressive, whether it's in these big group shots or the close-ups like with John or Gnort's faces and the emotions and the expressions they carry. The style is completely different from anything I'm actually used to which for me then creates a really interesting feeling, but overall provides just a, a fun narrative and also sets me up for the remaining two stories, which, well, they're different. They're original. There's something that I never expected. And the ending for the last one only sets me up for the thrill of the next one, The Taking of Sector 0123. And for that one, we get writing by Ryan Cady, art by Sam Bosri. Hi-Fi with the colors, Dave Sharp with the letters, Marquis Draper as the assistant editor. We have an amazing sort of sense of what happens when Yellow Lanterns now are enforcing greater control, looking to subvert the systems left behind by the Guardians and those who once wore their lanterns, one of whom is Jessica Cruz, there to protect, defend and in all ways, lived the last moments of her life as a lantern. She proves herself admirable, she fights back when it's needed, and then when it seems as though all possibilities are gone, she is gifted with a strange twist that makes for a perfect cliffhanger and a great way for us to turn into the final book in this one, The Book of Guy, Ernie Allbacker writing with Clayton Henry on the art, Marcelo Maiolo on the colors, Steve Wands with the letters, and a story about what happens when Guy gets stuck somewhere without the ability to power up his ring, and the challenges he faces as a ruler of sorts. Trust me, read the story. The of sorts will make sense. And if you don't know anything about Guy Gardner, the rest of it probably is all starting to spell itself out. But the humor, the comedy, the wonder, and the reminder. Not only that, but... Great appearance of a little character I always loved, who I hope is a fun appearance for you. I'll leave that as a spoiler and let us move into my fifth and final choice. And for my fifth and final choice, I had to go with Superman, Wonder Woman. What a great take on a world's finest combination. So Wonder Woman, Superman, uh, (laughs) a really fun concept as we get the chance to see how it is that John Kent Spends every day greeting Metropolis, letting them know that he's there. And then what it means when he discovers that things suddenly don't look the way they should up in the sky. And then a great shift to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, where we see the new Wonder Woman, someone who was featured in our future state from last week and here on the spinner rack. And when she does, she, <laughs> she provides this great sense of history as viewed through legends, and tells the story of how it was that the sky was made clear and day and night were born, and that Kua became the sun god and his brother became the moon. And we meet these two gods now that belief has become so pertinent and these figures are so tangible. And it seems that they have Kachaka, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly, and is a distilled drink that, well, what can I say? This Wonder Woman enjoys taking a break, especially when she hears that it's the good stuff. Now, what was it that Superman saw in the sky? It was two suns, but only one can be real. And as far as Kuat is concerned, anyone else is a pretender. Now, Wonder Woman points out that it's Solaris, a legendary enemy of Superman's, and it's his presence that I believe is setting up the details that lead into the next part of the story. Kuat makes a wonderful bid to outrace Solaris, and when that fight comes to its conclusion, they begin to war in an old-fashioned way, and as they do, Solaris is seen to be challenged and even weakened, but he's not the only one. The impact of his arrival is clearly altering Superman, and it's something that Wonder Woman can tell and is doing her best to address. This is a gorgeous story with a gorgeous script by Dan Waters, whose work that I've loved on things like Lucifer. I'm now Really thrilled to see in stuff like uh, Superman and Wonder Woman in this future state title. The art by Leila Del Duca is so different, sharp in the places I don't expect it, soft and subtle in so many other ways, and yet full of this wonderful dreamlike possibility. The colors by Nick Fulardi only accentuate the... Wonderful contrast this art creates, and yet the, the delight that it brings out in this feeling that is both an homage and clearly original. Um, Tom Napolitano with gorgeous letters. Lee Weeks and Brad Anderson with the original cover. You might have heard that recent interview from the DC Comics Weekly gang talking with Brad Anderson. If not, go back, check it out, then come back for this Jeremy Roberts with the variant cover. Okay, both covers are stunning. The original, just powerful Superman, stunning Wonder Woman with sword flared. But the painted quality, the beautiful glowing detail and the highlights in the variant are a treat for those who find it eye-catching and worthy of their collection. I think you're going to want both. I can imagine I would. And now for the honesty part. I left off a couple honorable mentions for this time around. Future State Justice League, Future State Dark Detective, which has four issues, so I have a feeling it's going to be back on here. And a few other great titles like Sweet Tooth The Return and American Vampire 1976. Yeah, I know. They're probably all worthy of being on this week's episode, but they didn't make it. So I did my best to make it through. Happy to hang out with you here on... DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 88. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. It's been my pleasure to hang out with you. Remember to keep up on all the great things we have for you here at DC Comics News. Make sure that you subscribe to whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're on all the big ones like Spotify and iTunes and Google and all the others that you might enjoy. When you subscribe, you'll make sure you never miss out new episodes of The Spinner Rack, episodes of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. It's our take on movies, television, streaming, comics, and more coming your way each and every week from DC Comics News. We also have episode-by-episode breakdowns of original shows like Batman the Animated Series with I Am The Night, hosted by Mr. Steve J. Ray, and the always a delight, sometimes raunchy, Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, which, man, check it out. You'll laugh, you'll swear, and you'll be among a great company. Now, Keep in mind, too, we're branching out into things like YouTube. So if you're out there, check out the at DC Comics News channel where you can see original programming like DC and After Dark, hosted by our very own Miss Kelly Gaines. And keep in mind, if you ever want to send us a message, that at DC Comics News is all you need to find us on Twitter, Facebook, and so many others. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. When you do... The whole gang at DC Comics News will know what you're thinking, what you want, and whether or not you've got the right people. You always got the right people when you're telling us what you're thinking. Want to send me a direct message? Go ahead. I'm on Twitter as one more singleton. I'm out in the wider web. Just type my name, Seth Singleton, and the word story into a search engine. When you do, you'll find me. I'll find you finding me. And from there, let's see what we can find together. Looking forward to the chance to talk more comics with you. Next week, just like every week, be here next time for the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack, my top five picks, and the chance to talk to you about great comics. Until next time, I'll be here when you tune in. Have a great one, and as always, read more comics.